There's an incredible new book out, Letters to the American Church. It's written by Eric Metaxas. Here's, here's his bio. The best-selling author of 14 books, Bonhoeffer, Amazing Grace, If You Can Keep It, The Forgotten Promise of American Liberty. His books have been translated in 25 languages. Uh, he's a host of a nationally syndicated radio and television show. He's an acclaimed conversation series, Socrates in the City. He's a prominent cultural commentator. His work appears in the New York Times, The New Yorker, The Atlantic, New Republic, Wall Street Journal. He lives in New York City. I've met him at various conferences where he and I were both speakers, and I was the starstruck fan in the green room. At one of these, the most recent one at Liberty University, I asked him, would you come into the Economic War Room and share with us? And here he is. Welcome to the Economic War Room, Eric Metaxas. Well, thank you for having me. I'm honored to be with you, Kevin. Thank you. Well, I want to share with you, Eric, we, I shared briefly, the Economic War Room is composed of economic warriors. We believe in weaponizing our money for liberty, security, and values. Our audience is primarily Christian, um, maybe Judeo-Christian. Uh, but we believe that if we will get our money part right, that we can make a difference in America. And we, we talk about the bad, the good, and the beautiful. I know Clint Eastwood did the good, the bad, and the ugly. We talk about the problem, then the good things, and then the beautiful things that can happen. And your book, Letter to the American Church, kind of has a bad, good, beautiful feel to it. It's all a spiritual battle. So my first question to you is, take your book, to the American, Letter to the American Church, how would you apply that to economics and money? Well, it applies to everything. Uh, and, and you all will understand the economic side of it better. But the point is, there is such a thing as truth. Uh, there is such a thing as good and evil. And we're living at a time in America right now where, let, let me just briefly say what the argument of the book is, just so that this makes sense for people. It's called Letter to the American Church, because a number of years ago, I wrote a biography of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German pastor who uh, really understood as the Nazis were rising that it was the job of the German church to speak against what the Nazis were doing, to be aware of what the Nazis were doing, and to fight it with everything they had. Bonhoeffer uh, effectively failed in the sense that even though what he was saying was true, like an Old Testament prophet or a New Testament prophet, people didn't want to hear it. Uh, and so in, in essence, the German church was silent in the face of evil. Uh, and because of the silence of the German church in the face of evil, Germany uh, slid uh, into what we can now recognize as the pit of hell. What happened in Germany because of the silence of the church was a nightmare. What I argue in the book, Letter to the American Church, and this is not complicated. If you read the book, it's the shortest book I've ever written. But if you read it, you'll see it's pretty clear. The silence of the American church today on similarly vital issues has opened the door to every kind of hell and chaos. The economic chaos is obvious. Most people, you don't need to be a spiritual person to realize that opening the door to socialism or to, uh, to, to the kind of Marxist values that are uh, you see everywhere in cultural Marxism is always disaster economically. People will not flourish. If you care about the poor uh, and you let people 
blather on about how socialism is a good idea or, or whatever it is, which is part of what I write about in the book, you are complicit in crushing the poor. Now, I speak as a Christian to Christians in a letter to the American church. You have an obligation to the poor, and your obligation to the poor means speaking against those things, those systems, which are ultimately, we know, going to crush the poor, going to harm the poor. Uh, and so this is silence in the face of every kind of evil, economic evil, uh, which we see in Marxism and the, these authoritarian governments that want to destroy uh, free trade, free economies, uh, and so on and so forth, and, and much more. Um, it is one kind of evil, but it is, I say specifically, it's the silence of the church, the unwillingness of church leaders to speak against this, because in Germany, the church had the cultural power. It's not like a crazy idea. They had the power to speak against this and to stop what happened. Similarly, today in America, the church has the power to do this. And if we don't, on the economic side, it is going to harm the poor and God will hold us responsible. Yeah, no, and, and I love what you said. And Bono recently came to this conclusion. He said, you know, capitalism has lifted more people out of poverty than any other system. And so you're right, to help the poor, we need to have free market capitalism, not crony capitalism, but free market capitalism. But the second point I'll go to is Luke 16, 11, which is I agree with you 100%, the church needs to stand up. But Jesus said, if you're not faithful with your unrighteous mammon, you will not be trusted with true riches. And so we, we talk about that all the time. A starting point for the spiritual battle is to get your money part right. And we're seeing the money part through ESG and through all the other things that we're doing, destroying our values. We're essentially funding our own demise. Uh, I talk about this a lot, actually, on my my radio program, The Eric Metaxas Show. One of our clients is inspi InspireAdvisors.com, uh, and they try to help people take their money out of investments that are, are are really helping evil prevail. So we need to be wise with with our money. We need to be wise with how we spend our money. But the book letter to the American church principally I'm trying to wake up those who are still asleep, those in the church, especially church leaders and pastors who think, you know what, I don't want to get into that controversial stuff. I'm just going to, quote unquote, preach the gospel. And what I, the case I make is there is no such thing. If you want to obey God, you have an obligation to speak truth in every one of these areas. And if you shrink from doing that, God will hold you responsible. And if you need an example of what happens when people are silent? Look at what happened to Germany. It is a nightmare, uh, unbelievable almost that it happened. It is happening now. We're already seeing the beginnings of this. And I wrote the book really out of obedience to God. I don't say that kind of stuff lightly because I think there are enough people that need to hear this message that would be willing if they read it to say, you know what? Yes, I think I missed this. But we are in an absolutely crucial hour. The window is closing. If the church doesn't wake up to its obligation to speak truth in every one of these spheres, and you know what they are, we can talk about them in the rest of the show, uh, we are being judged and will be judged much and much more severely uh, than we are already being judged. Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. We're gonna have to take a break in, in, in just a bit. But, but the reality of it is, is the silencing is often coming also through economic means where you get canceled. Like we had Nick Vujicic here yesterday in the economic war room. He got canceled. His bank just got canceled on him. Bingo. And that's Bingo. the silencing that's happening. So we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk. We've talked about some of the bad. We'll talk a little more. And then we'll talk about solutions, what we can do about it.
We're talking with Eric Metaxas. He's written a new book, Letter to the American Church. I heard you describe this, Eric, as the most important book you've ever written, which is a huge statement because the Bonhoeffer book and the, the Wilberforce book, they're both phenomenal, and all your books are great. Why is this the most important you've written? Well, you know, first of all, I want to be really clear. Actually, first of all, let me say Happy New Year. I forgot. Happy New Year. Uh, and I am hopeful. Ultimately, I'm hopeful. However, um, a lot of times authors say, oh, this is the most important book I've written or whatever. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I wish it weren't true, but I know this is the most important book I've ever written. It's also the shortest book I've ever written. But this book wouldn't be possible if I hadn't written the book on Dietrich Bonhoeffer, if I hadn't written the book on Wilberforce. I believe God called me to tell those stories in book form to prepare me to see what is happening now in America. And at the heart of the whole thing is this lie. And that's why this letter to the American church, I make this clear so that people, especially Christian leaders, can understand how they bought the lie. German pastors bought the lie and it led to hell on earth. What is the lie? Well, at the heart of it is this idea that we're not supposed to be political. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Because if you are against the slave trade, William Wilberforce, my hero in my book, Amazing Grace, his Christian faith led him to see that slavery and the slave trade were an abomination, were an evil thing that needed to be eradicated from, uh, from England and from Europe. It was because of his faith that he led the battle in politics to abolish the slave trade. Now, we don't go back and say, oh, he was political. He should have kept his politics uh, out of faith and kept his faith out of politics. We cheer him because we all know, unless we're idiots or evil, that slavery is wrong. Yeah. But today, there are many people, just like in the 1930s, they're hearing this thing, oh, we're not supposed to be political. Christians shouldn't be political. We're supposed to focus on the gospel. That is theological nonsense, absolute nonsense, and it is wicked, worse than nonsense because we are called by God to bring our biblical faith into every single sphere of life. It is why Wilberforce brought his faith into politics and into uh, English culture and said, we must abolish this evil. Similarly today, Christians or anybody who has any kind of faith in what is right and good and true, you have an obligation to advocate, to work however you can. It's kind of like saying, well, you know what? I shouldn't care about the poor. You shouldn't care about the poor. God commands you to care about the poor. That may uh, mean that you get involved in politics. It may mean uh, that, that you get involved in other things. But the idea that you're supposed to keep your faith private, just keep it in the church. You know, they let you do that in China, right? They, they, yeah, you just keep it in the church. But once you leave the church, you bow to the secular authority of the state. Well, there are Christians in America who have believed this lie and are imposing silence on themselves by saying that, Theologically, I should just stick to the gospel. I'm, I'm here to say, and I say it uh, at length in the book, I explain, it is nonsense. It is a theological uh, absurdity. It is not biblical to keep your faith inside the church. You're supposed to take your faith and what is in the church out of the church into the world. If you don't do that, the values of the devil uh, are going to prevail. The poor will be crushed slavery will continue. And every bad thing that is happening today, which we see on steroids in the last two years, will continue. 
big government authoritarianism, the end of liberty, the end of religious liberty, the end of free speech. All of these things are being attacked principally because the church has abdicated its role in being a leader, in advocating for truth and justice. We've said, well, we're just, we don't want to be controversial. We don't want to offend anybody. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to bring up anything that could be political. It's complete nonsense. The idea that we should not be political is, as I say, it's just a lie designed to silence the voices of truth in this generation. And specifically in the church, um, there are many not only that have bought this lie and that are self-censoring, but that are that are advocating silence on all of these issues. Well, the and funny thing is, it, is always when it goes in the in one direction, they don't say anything. In other words, if you're advocating for liberal values, for leftist values, they never say, oh, you're being political. But usually if you're advocating for conservative or biblical values, they say, oh, you're being political. So it's really they're 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 playing a game. Yeah, well, in fact, we need to define the church, and you, you did define the church in, in your book, uh, because there's a good portion of so-called Christians that are arguing for things that are just exactly contrary to what the Scriptures teach. They're arguing for death, not life, because uh, it's a right to choose, and we get to pick who lives and who dies. And that's not what the Bible says. And they're arguing for uh, manipulations of the definition of marriage, the manipulations of sexuality, and so forth. So th there really is more than one church we're talking about here, right? Well, again, there are people that are, are, are nakedly leftist. They, are, they make no apology for it, and they claim to be Christians. Now, look, um, you could be a slave owner who claims to be a Christian. You could be a murderer. You could be an abortionist. Uh, Gavin Newsom just used scripture in a billboard a couple of months ago to advocate for abortion, use the words of Jesus. Just because someone says he is a Christian, we know this is absolute nonsense. The Bible says this all over that, it, you know, you can talk and talk and talk. How are you living? Are you living in a way that honors God? And so just because people say this, we don't need to accept them at their word. But the point is, those of us who know we are Christians, we have an obligation to speak biblical values into the marketplace, into the culture, to speak against the transgender madness. People's lives depend on our speaking against the transgender madness. People's lives depend on our speaking against open borders and the idea that a nation means nothing, that we shouldn't have sovereignty as a nation. All these ideas have been unleashed on the world, globalist, uh, atheistic, Marxist ideas, and the church to a large extent has been silent. It is the duty of the church to speak. I wrote this book knowing that there are people out there who, when they read it, they will say, you know what, I didn't get this, thank you. There's some people who can't be reached, they're just screaming, uh, they, don't want, they don't wanna hear what I believe God has to say. And let me make clear that what I write in this book, I hope it's not what I have to say, I hope it's what God is saying to his people in this hour, because it could not be more crucial, and that's why it's called Letter to the American Church. Well, it's fantastic, and every one of the issues that you mentioned has an economic component, whether it's the borders, you know, people making money off open borders, whether it's a transgender, uh, people are making money off of surgeries and so forth. Uh, abortion is a money-making enterprise, every one of them. And yet I believe that we in the church, we've abandoned what God has called us to do with our money and with our lives. So uh, we need to take another break. When we come back, let's talk solutions and let's talk hope. Eric, we see a battle between individual liberty and collectivist tyranny. 
And I think God calls us each at the individual level and together we comprise the church. But I think the other side, the left, sees it the other way, that it's collectivist top-down and the church is going to dictate. And the church isn't dictating based on the Word of God. The church is dictating based on a progressive ideology. How do you see it? Well, listen, we have to understand, uh, I just did a Socrates in the City event uh, here in New York City with uh, my friend Oz Guinness. And it is because of Oz Guinness and a number of his books that I have really understood what is the biblical idea of liberty, where the founders were coming from, what does freedom and liberty mean, what does self-government mean. And there is no way to divorce these beautiful concepts from virtue and faith. If you have a Marxist atheist ideology, you are, whether you know it or not, leading away from liberty and self-government. There is no way to have genuine liberty when you pull God out, uh, when, when you pull out these ideas of virtue. All of the founders understood this. I write about it in my book, uh, If You Can Keep It, The Forgotten Promise of American Liberty. It's vital we understand this stuff because unless you understand these things, you can't really understand that it is only biblical values that say the individual is sacred, a human life is sacred, the unborn are sacred. Africans who were enslaved ought not to be enslaved. The only way you can come to these conclusions is when you have a biblical worldview. So people who have a Marxist worldview, a culturally Marxist worldview, when they talk about racism, they talk about equality, they have no way of logically talking about what they're talking about. They're making it up. They have no basis uh, for treating people with dignity. We need to understand this. If you're against racism, that's a biblical idea. Cultural Marxism and Marxism and social Darwinism, all these ideas lead to tribalism, lead to racism, and lead to power, lead to the worship of power. And so People in the church need to understand this. What you believe is not just some philosophy you pick to make your life happier. It is called the truth. And without these truths, you're going to have top-down authoritarianism. You're going to have no liberty. Human beings are going to be crushed under the wheels of the oppressive state. These are facts. This is not just theory. But the church often has sidestepped this and said, well, we don't want to get into that. You need to get into it. It is the job of those of us who claim to be Christians to understand what God requires of us. And if you live in a free culture like America, you have a particular duty to use your freedom to help maintain freedom and to help bring that freedom to others around the world. So if you say, well, I'm not interested in that, you're not interested in what God is interested in because he uses these things, you know, virtuous capitalism, uh, and, and virtuous self-government. He uses these things to bless people. So if you say, I care about other people, I want to bless people, I care about the poor, you're obligated to take these things seriously from a biblical worldview. And that's in the book Letter to the American Church. I try to make the case that the church has silenced itself and we are already seeing the judgment falling. We are seeing, you know, whether it's the uh, gas prices uh, increasing, inflation, the open border, fentanyl deaths. I mean, wherever you look, you see the judgment coming because the church has been silent. And I wrote the book letter to the American church, because I firmly believe, Kevin, that God's will is that we turn this around, that the church wake up, that the church not repeat the mistake today that the church in Germany did in the 1930s, where they were silent just long enough for the Nazis 
to crush them, to take power. And when they finally said, oh, oh, maybe we should speak up, by then it was too late for them to speak up. I believe that's exactly where the American church is, which is why I've written this book as a warning that we need to wake up now before it's too late. It will be too late very, very soon. Uh, the, the powers, these banks that are trying to cancel people, uh, big pharma, big tech that are trying to cancel people. We are in a war. It's a spiritual war. And if the church does not find its voice and speak up and act and self-sacrificially act, we are going to abdicate the role that God has given us. It is, it is essential by God's grace that we do what God has called us to do in this hour and don't repeat the mistakes of the German church. No, I totally agree with you, and I think it's fantastic. In your book, you make it so clear that it's not just enough to have faith and believe. You have to act on that faith and belief. And you talk about where the German church erred because they went too far on faith alone. Not that faith works save you, but that it's necessary to live it out. And, that's, and that's at the heart of the book, Kevin, is, is I was going to title the book Faith Without Works is Dead because I thought... We in the American church, just like the German church in the 30s, have bought into this idea that faith is just what's in my head. That's a lie. That is not biblical. Biblically, it says faith without works is dead. If you have saving faith, if you claim to have saving faith, then it will be made manifest in works done to the glory of God. If you are not doing works to the glory of God, if you are not living your faith out self-sacrificially, that is evidence to God and to the rest of us that actually you don't have faith. And so it's a chilling warning to those of us who claim to be Christians that maybe God says you're not a Christian according to his word. So I write about that and I try to explain that because nothing could be more crucial. Yeah, so we take that in the economic war room. We take that the next step when Jesus says, if you're not faithful with your unrighteous mammon, then you won't be trusted with true riches. So what we're doing, Eric, and I want to invite you to help us. Uh, in the economic war room, we've created something called the National Security Investment Consultant Institute, NSIC.org. Uh, and what we do, we're training at Liberty University. Uh, our intention is to train 10,000 financial advisors to help their clients weaponize their money to reflect their values. Not ESG, Environment, Social Justice, Governance, but LSV, Liberty, Security, Values. In other words, we're telling people to put their money where their mouth is, and if we can get 10,000 uh, financial advisors, it'll represent a trillion dollars of capital. And you know, the, the, the argument is made that speech is also reflected in where we spend our money. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So our goal is to help people weaponize their money to do exactly what you said. Stand you're up for the truth of song. God's word. You are, you are singing my song. And as I said to you, Kevin, I want to have you on my program to talk about this because this is very close to my heart. We have to live our faith out in every sphere, in the economic sphere and how we spend money and how we invest in what we say, what we don't say in how we live, and the church has really, really missed this, and there could be nothing more tragic than if the American church would miss this opportunity. God has given us a mandate. This is as serious as it gets, and I believe he's allowed things to get as bad as they are now as a wake-up call to say, will you wake up now? Will you act now, and I know he called me to write my book, Letter to the American Church, to help people understand what it is they've been getting wrong, how this is not a biblical view, and how we have to repent and begin to act immediately and self-sacrificially as though we actually believe what we claim to believe. 
Eric, what's the best place to find your work? Uh, your podcast? If anybody can spell my name, ericmetaxas.com, everything is there. We've got a new website, ericmetaxas.com. I exhort people to go to ericmetaxas.com, sign up for my newsletter because there's tons of stuff that I share, all my interviews and things, uh, ericmetaxas.com. Thank you so much, Eric, for being in the Economic War Room. And we're going to take what you've shared and put it in an economic battle plan that our uh, viewers can get free. You can get that at economicwarroom.com, and that'll have a link directly to your website. We believe in everything you've said, and we need to weaponize our money so that we can serve God. Remember, what we see as a marketplace, our enemies views as a battle space. This is Kevin Freeman from the Economic War Room.